This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. We're going to do you, you on the internet. That really worked that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Texter says that guy Mora, probably just a guy who enjoys ranked. <laughs> what? And <laughs> two five three says I'm 32 years old. That noise is still hilarious. Someone texted in that this is a thing that people are taking videos of them doing this to people <laughs> right now. So is this like a TikTok uh, thing? Uh, I'm gonna not a good Maybe. sign for the future. <laughs> no, no, no. This if, theory says uh, Matt in Oregon says the guy saw more on her dog and decided if he gave her dog a reason to turn around and smell him, it would oh. be an excuse to talk to more. Wow, that that's <laughs> the worst idea I've ever heard. Yeah, I've never heard of a worse idea than that. Wow, it's nice to meet you. You smell terrible. Wow, this is uh, going to go somewhere. All right. Whatever you do, if you see me in an airport terminal coming yeah. off of a flight, don't stop me. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you've been holding You're crop dusting flight. as soon as you oh, get off. I have it's the one it's a it's a 100%. I'm surprised the, you wait till you get off the plane. The air pressure or something when we land yeah. and as I'm walking down, it is 100 there's nothing I can do. It is just uh I mean you could go to the bathroom. Uh, I, I make my way to the bathroom. Hmm. I clearly do that. But it's silent. You're not like doing the door creak as you No. Want no, if I know that's coming, I'll that squeeze up against a wall or something or I'll, you know, really squeeze up against sure. a wall? What yeah, I'll squeeze the cheeks up against the wall. Is that what you're doing when you do those wall sits? Yeah, I'll squeeze the cheeks up against the wall, keep it in there. So I've never heard of that. Yeah, well, it works. Okay, trading. What, what are we doing? Let's Anytime go. I see you against a wall, now, from now it's, on, that is you know disturbing. exactly what's going on. All right, Maura All right, had a good so, idea. We're going to try to trade places here, yes, Brock. As, Great. As we were like listening Dan Aykroyd to, and Eddie Murphy. As we were listening to Wyman describe you yesterday as, um, as what, what do you say, kind of a pest. Yeah. Annoying Salk, little brother. Salk was sitting there nodding his head to everything Wyman was saying. Uh-huh. You know, like he just as knows usually, you Wyman so well. Overly affirmative. I was thinking. Annoying little brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was thinking about how well you guys know each other. And I think you have a good feel for what the other one might say to certain things. So we're going to look at this Mariners, the Mariners issues through the lens of each other. Okay. So So I'm I'm going to answer as Brock. Brock's going to answer as me. Yes. And you guys can, I think you should do your best impression of the other person. Oh, geez. Oh boy. I can't speak in threes like that. So here's the trading places. music. If anyone remembers this movie. Um, I think a lot of people remember this movie. Just because you and Justin hadn't heard of it doesn't mean that people <laughs> no, don't remember it. I don't really remember it either. So I've heard yeah. of it. Okay. Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy? Sure. Jamie Lee Curtis? All right. Bro, it was 80s. Here we go. All right, All right. first up. <laughs> Salk. Yes. Answering Ask oh. Brock. Oh, okay, yes. What is the Mariners' biggest issue right now? Sorry, I'm trying to trying to clap, clap with my hands. Not nearly loud enough. Not, let me get into my horse dance and see if I can start telling you what's wrong with the Mariners right now. Uh, I could just go through my texts, actually, probably to answer this like Brock. The biggest problem is they strike out too much. They don't make enough contact. They're not more like football players. They're not trying hard enough, and they strike out too much. All right. That's pretty much all I got. <laughs> Bro- uh-huh. Brock, what would Salk say? Oh, the biggest problem with the marriage had nothing to do with the team build. The team build in the process was all great. What are we talking about? I mean, the offseason was excellent. I wrote that they were the greatest Mariners team of all time. The problem is the personnel. <laughs> they can't hit. What do you want me to do? They can't hit. Hit. Hit the ball. <laughs> I know you better than you know yourself. Yeah. For the record, I said could be. <laughs> Sorry, could be. Could be. Could be. How was that? That was pretty good, actually. Yeah, that was pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> 
No notes. Sulk. All right, no notes. No notes. Okay. <laughs> Don't me very well. Salk, Asbrock. Who has been the worst at the plate for the Mariners overall this year? Tail. I can't watch him. It reminds me of Abraham Toro. I mean, I used to watch Abraham Toro. I couldn't even watch the guy. Couldn't watch him. Terrible. I mean, I, just, I would watch him play, and I, I just drive me crazy. He looked like he didn't care. He looked scared. He looked miserable. And I hate Abraham Toro so much that when I watch <laughs> Teo, all I can think of is still how much I hate Abraham Toro. <laughs> you, you as Brock, you do a lot of blinking. That's pretty good. He blinks <laughs> a lot it? as Brock. Uh-huh. Yeah. Maybe Brock blinks. <laughs> Am I a blinker? I don't know. I haven't thought about that. <sighs> okay. I'm not good with impressions. I don't have a good Brock impression. <laughs> all right, Brock. As Salk. Who has been the worst Mariner at the plate overall? Oh, f- fire him. Cut him. I can't watch A.J. Pollock. And again, Mariners fans, listen to me. I'm brilliant. Okay, I know what I'm talking about. I'm brilliant. Okay, the process was right. The process was right. Look at his numbers. Look at A.J. Pollock the last couple years. He's tremendous against left-handers. What is What was Jerry and Justin supposed to do? What are they supposed to do? <laughs> I'm dying. No notes. You don't know me. It's pretty good. <laughs> All right. Oh, this I'm next one. Why am I sweating only like in one pit? Right yeah, now. <laughs> this next one will start. Hold on. Hold on. Let me see. If, let me hold on. I want to really do a better Brock impression here. Let me get this okay. seat up higher so I can see what it's like to be six foot five. There we go. Okay. Wait. This next one. I want to start with Brock as Salk. Oh. 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 Okay. Are the Rangers for real? No. The Rangers are not for real. Have you watched the Rangers? Have you seen them in July and August when it gets hot? Do I know that it's a dome stadium anymore? No. Do I? Why do I not know? Because I don't care about the Rangers. Who cares about the Rangers? Nobody does. None of their fans do. Don't even say they have Rangers fans. What's a Rangers fan? Give me a break. That they're cold. They're going to break down. They're going to be done. No, I still don't buy the Rangers. That's not the. You, you got that one wrong. You're close on that <laughs> one, but you kind of got that one wrong. You don't know me. The Rangers take is more like, hey, we'll see. It's not an angry take. It's a, eh, all right. Right. Come talk to me again in a yep. few months. Uh-huh. We'll see where this goes. True. I, I, can't, nail every, I can't nail everyone. The points were all accurate. It was just the tone. The tone <laughs> on the Rangers <laughs> is different. That's close to the way he talks about the Angels. Like, Angels fans? What's an Angels fan? Yeah. Not an Angels, fan. Angels are pathetic. All right. Sulk as Brock. There aren't any Rangers fans either, are though. The Honestly, they might be the same group of seven people at <laughs> the Rangers and the Angels games. There we go. What is Brock's answer, Sulk, to if the Rangers are real? <laughs> is there not a Rangers college football team or something? Brock doesn't even know who the Rangers are. Oh, he couldn't name one mouth. player on the Rangers, oh, so I can't really? do this impression. Oh, I refuse. Really? Oh. The more I say no, Brock has no opinion on the Rangers. He's just nodding. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Simeon's no good. Seeger's no good. Uh, Heim's no good. No, no. Young's no good. The, the kids they've drafted, the ones they've brought in, no good. No, you're right. Araldus <laughs> Garcia, no good. Get out of here. That was horrible. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I have one Better. one more for you. We're going to start with Brock again on this one. Okay. As Salk, how do you feel about Jared Kelnick's 2023 season so far? How do I feel? How do I feel? What do you mean, how do I feel? He's, he's, he leads his team in OPS. How do I feel? He's turned it around. I'm super proud of him. As I've told you before, you guys don't know Jared like I know Jared. <laughs> Jared is thoughtful. He's full of thoughts. <laughs> He's full of thought. He's full of thought yeah. now. And 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 a role this Garcia plays. Those Rangers. are all things that I would definitely have said. Look at you laughing. <laughs> you know that I know you so well. A role this Garcia. Yeah, a role this Garcia. He, he, 
I was like, did he just say that? Did he just combine two players? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> All right, Salk, as Brock. <laughs> yes. How do you feel about Jared Kelnick's 2023 season? Well, look, he's obviously had a better year, but, you know, when he gets married, when he settles down, <laughs> and when he really meets the right person, that's, I think, when his career will really take off and when I'll start to view him as, a you know, an actual human instead of just a little party kid. I know you better than you know yourself. <laughs> Maybe you should, like, you know, take some advice from Logan. He settled down this year. Uh-huh. He got married. And yeah. look what it's doing for him. Best season of his career. So I, you know, I appreciate this... what Jared's done, but I, I think it's time for him probably to make that holy covenant and get himself married. <laughs> I, think I think this was a smashing success. I think this segment's got some stickiness I to it. Kind of I think agree. it's going to be around again. <laughs> Now, when we get the when it will really work, there you go. That is trading places. Where it could really work is if we bring Justin Moore into it as well. Yes. Oh, and boy. by the way, I kind of like them to do the same thing, uh-huh. but not with us, with each other. Uh-huh. I would like Justin to answer as Mora and uh-huh. Mora to answer oh. as Justin. Yep. Next time. Oh, that sounds hard. And I got to tell you, I, I don't, I don't like to, I don't, I don't like to preview things before they're ready. But there's a guy named Charles. Who's in today? He's training with more. He's waving at the moment. I don't know if you can see him, but Charles has the potential to be a fascinating character. (laughs) I've only known Charles for like two hours, but I I'm fascinated by him. Brock, this dude, one wheel of fortune. Like there's a lot going on with Charles that I'm going to have to learn more about. I don't mean to. I'm sorry. I don't mean to tease the future. Yep. But there are some real possibilities here. I'm uh, I'm I'm definitely when you know it, you know, when you know, you know, and when you you come back, we'll give you everything you need to know. It's Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Yeah, the Bad Mariners showed up yesterday, and in fact, they've been showing up way too often recently. They did nothing, man. Just one of those games where they don't show up, and because of it, they got booed off the field, which is exactly what the crowd should have done. That's a bad game, and Scott Service knows this is not the way it's supposed to go. You know, we have expectations to be a very competitive team. We have not been able to do that for any stretch of the season, quite frankly. You know, we haven't put together a stretch where you win 8 out of 10 or 10 out of 13, something like that. Uh, I've said all along, I think we have the capability of doing that because we pitch really well. But there's two sides of the game, and you have to do it offensively consistently, and and that's been a struggle for us. Yeah, said it earlier. It's been an acute problem. The bats stink. The arms have been great. Everything else has been fine. But they can't hit. And some days that means they don't hit well enough in the clutch. Some days it means they just don't show up at all. And that was one of those days yesterday. And when you can't hit, you look lifeless, right? And, and I understand some of the calls we took earlier. Mark down there in Tacoma and Greg Amslinger, you know, a national voice saying it. These guys are too polite. You know, where's some of the where's some of the juice? Where's some of the Lou Pinella? Where's some of the breaking the bats? Where's some of this just? But unfortunately, when you don't hit, you do look a little bit lifeless. And when you don't hit, you know what happens? You go three and eight in rubber games. You know when you don't hit in big moments, you go four and eight in extra inning games. You know when you don't hit consistently in a tough ballpark, even with the lead pitching, you go 12 and 12, 15 and one in series in that beautiful ballpark this season. Not good enough. Jerry Depoto in 10 minutes will try to uh, fill in some blanks for us. Here's the second thing you need to know. Proud to select from Cometa Berno, Eduard Schalle. There we go. Yep. So we've been debating this now for the last few minutes. 
It's either chalet or chalet. Little but hard. it's not sale. It's definitely not sale. It's, it's spelled sale. S-A-L-E. Yeah. Some sites say chalet. That's more of a saying chalet. I read yesterday chalet. Well, and that's what they say. The ESPN people say it at the end of the clip. Uh, yes, that's true. He said chalet. So, geez, I don't know, man. Regardless, he's uh, the 20th pick, and he's going to be a Kraken. <laughs> Sounds like he's pretty skilled, but uh, maybe some compete issues, oh, bro. I mean, I think they do need defense in their system. There's no doubt about that. But this is a case of best player available. Yeah. And he's got offensive ability. There's no question about that. Top two lines, if he can get there and play there, he's going to be an effective player. I think the, the, the one question mark on him is sometimes his compete. And whether or not he could, if he doesn't play in the top six, would he be able to play, you know, third line in that in that role? So it's Is he like, a top six or bust? That's what you're exactly. asking. Exactly. What did you like about the NHL draft so much Everything. Last night? Everything. What was I mean, it? I, I, yeah. It's these 18-year-old, I mean, most of them are 17, 18, 19 years old. There were some college kids, but most of them in the first round are all 18 years old. They're all look you in the eye. They all shake your hand. They all have a level of respect. You told me that about hockey. You said for you especially, who's sometimes caught in the 1950s, you're going to love hockey. You're going to just love the demeanor and the way they go about it. The war room, Salk, were front and center. So it was in the arena there in Nashville, and each of the franchises had like carved out like on, on, on the rink and, or the area where the rink would be, like their, their table, <laughs> their war room. And they all got up and went to the stage and then those draft picks came out of the stands and they walked down and they shook everyone's hand right there on stage and put that jersey on clean cut bright-eyed well-spoken humble what didn't i like about the draft last night <laughs> nothing other than shall chalet shall sale who knows there's a lot more going on today uh the kraken have nine more picks to make including three in the second round uh, they pick at 50 52 and 57 so we'll have some more names to try to pronounce coming up very shortly Here's the third thing you need to know. We talked a little bit about Julio over the last few days, and uh, Justin pointed out that he is uh, one of eight MVP and all-star players in baseball right now going through major slumps. Bryce Harper, Giancarlo Stanton, Josh Donaldson, Carlos Correa, Francisco Lindor, Abreu, Mike Trout. That's a lot of guys who got paid a bunch of money and are not doing anything right now. The other thing that was interesting here, though, is that it says Julio's made 81 outs, Brock, on pitches outside the zone. That's 11th in baseball. He's made the 11th most outs on pitches that were outside the zone. He has obviously got a chasing problem, and it's pretty much as simple as that. Yeah, and uh, the challenge is it's going to be Tampa, it's going to be San Francisco, and it's going to be Houston before the All-Star break. Yeah. 14-28 and 28 against winning teams this year. That is what you are. At the halfway point, you're 14-28, and 28 and you're facing three winning teams. In, in Tampa coming in here, still the best team record-wise in the American League. And whether it's Julio, whether it's Suarez, whether it's Teo, I mean, we can point to any number of those stats, as you said. Right. A well, real is, acute situation. Julio, but, but if you want to make it bigger, that's, well, that, that's This, that's this year is about Julio. But. Yeah, well, Julio's pressing. Okay. Julio, Julio, is, Julio is doing exactly what Marty uh, talked about. Okay, one of our callers in the 730 hour. Uh, and by the way, write down names on the legal pad. It will help you remember an hour later. I'm not later. really interested in remembering. Hero swings. Too many hero swings. I need to remember. Too many hero right. swings. That is everything you need to know. Hey, did you hear this? Did you hear? Um, we're going to talk to Jerry Depoto in a minute. Did you hear John Schneider 
call Scott, his buddy Scott Fitter <laughs> on draft day. So, so Fitter good. used to be here as uh, his as his number two, and then he went to uh, Carolina, where he's now. And you the know, GM. Fitter was a great high school baseball player, right? That really Kennedy nice Catholic. guy too. Oh, great guy. Yeah. Anyway, right before uh, the first overall pick, John called him this year. Hey, buddy. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> John Schneider wants to know if you want to trade. Sure, sure. Why not? <laughs> Dave Tepper, the owner yeah. of the team. It's like, oh, John wants to know if you want to trade for the pick. That's great. Good on John. How comfortable would... you must be to have to make that call in that right. moment with the clock. <laughs> but, I mean, that's like one of his good friends. I mean, like, I those guys have known each other forever. Who so. would they have taken at number one? Oh, yeah, let's start the debate. <laughs> I guess it would be Bryce Young. All right. Uh, Jerry DePoto is going to join us next. Brock is going to scream at him. We're going to yell at him. Uh-huh. We are going to uh, berate him. For their failures. No, we're going to ask him questions. And we got some significant ones to find out about. We'll hear his answers and then we'll discuss. Jerry DePoto next on Brock and Salk. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Oh, man, this show is flying today. Flying. I thought today was going to be kind of a tough day after yesterday's Mariner game, et cetera. Today's been flying. Jerry DePoto is sure. going to join us in just a moment. And, uh, you know, again, these uh, these things are challenging at this point, right? I mean, the team is not playing the way you want them to. They've all recognized that. Last week, Jerry, I thought, did a good job of taking some responsibility. And over the last couple of weeks, he said, look, it's on me. I put it together. Mm-hmm. And this is where we're at. So. And unfortunately, that loss yesterday, three games under 500, that matches the season low. I know poor Larry Stone has tweeted and written, like, are we at bottom? You know, are we at bottom? And, uh, you know, this team is going to have to dig themselves out. And certainly some of the belief and the self-belief we hear from guys is a positive. And what does uh, Jerry DePoto have to say? We will check in now. The Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports. Good morning, Jerry. Uh, it's Thursday, which means yesterday was Wednesday, which means, unfortunately, the Mariners lost. It's amazing how many times this has happened uh, over the course of the season. But how are we doing today? Uh, you know, I, it's a, it's it's another Thursday, another <laughs> you know general morning of frustration. I, I don't know a better way to put it, and that goes for our entire organization. And, you know, it starts with me, and it runs through every player on the field. They're feeling it. We all are. And would like to get out from underneath it. You know, we saw these two losses uh, in a row Tuesday night and then yesterday afternoon. One was of the, oh, my God, I can't believe they didn't win that game variety. The other was of the they just didn't hit from day one from the start of the game variety. I don't want to say which one drives you most crazy because I'm sure both of them drive you crazy in unique ways. But how do you put those two types of losses into context? You know, I think one is a hangover from the other, frankly. And, you know, on on Tuesday night, we we gave away a win. It was right there for us. There's no, you know, sugarcoating it. We have given that game away before you know, this season. Uh, never quite so frustratingly as we did on Tuesday. But, you know, it was uh, that was about as bad as it gets in terms of lack of execution. And, you know, you roll in, and as the schedule makers would have it, you've got a day game. And, you know, for a lot of guys, they're still feeling the tension, the disappointment, the frustration from the night before. And I think it showed up in the batter's box. 
Does a Thursday off day like today, Jerry, kind of give you guys an opportunity to maybe get together in a way, you know, as a as an organization and just kind of talk through? And as Salk said, this is not a system system wide. This is just one very acute issue. The offensive production has been the biggest struggle this season. Does an off day give you guys an opportunity to to sit with Scott and to sit with everybody together, maybe? We didn't need an off day to do that. We do it regularly and you know, that's a, that is sometimes daily, like I said before, uh, oftentimes biweekly with our offensive check-ins. And, you know, we, we make regular use of the calendar in our favor to sit down and meet and talk about, you know, strategies, rosters, ways we might be able to, to get this game going or this team going. And, and uh, you know, we've, we've not hit on it. That's, I, I wish I had a better answer. And then, you know, we're, we're, we're not – doing the things that winning teams do and you know that that doesn't just go for the lack of hitting it's it's situational execution it's it's coming up with a simple ground ball or a fly ball when you need it it's it's what the nationals did on tuesday you know they they found a way to to generate a run and win a game and then we have failed to do that over and over so what now? I mean, it, it is an off day today. I, I understand that you guys meet more often than just on off days, but sometimes that's when we tend to see action occur on a baseball team. Should we expect action today? No. You know, our action is to, to get together here in about an hour and, and start working through our national draft meetings. And, you know, it's a, we do have a lot to manage beyond just the major league club, and we're in the midst of that with the draft coming up on us and, and an important one for us with – three picks in the first round and, and to continue building depth in our organization. And, and I think sometimes an off day is good just to let it be an off day. I think everybody needs a chance to just tap the brakes. When you do things at the highest end of your emotion, they tend not to be very smart things. <laughs> so talking about, you know, amateur players and how we might improve the depth of our organization seems a pretty good respite. Hey, so we were having this conversation earlier and we took some calls, et cetera, and I think it's a good thing to ask you. What is the expectation of a modern manager when the team is losing or slumping or not playing its best? What is the expectation of a manager in this day and age, 2023? You know, I, I think it's, Keeping morale at a at a level that's manageable, it's a it's such a roller coaster season. We have you know in years past in good seasons and in bad, we've been on our roller coaster, and the manager's job is to try to keep the roller coaster, you know, avoid the peaks and valleys as much as you can. And, and right now, there's no question we're in a valley, and and that puts a lot of pressure on Scott, on our staff to try to keep morale a little bit higher. Uh, to keep focus where it needs to be. And I guess if I had one thing to point to, it's continue to play fundamentally sound baseball. And that's where we're falling short. And I don't think you can magically coach it. There is no secret play. You know, as Scott referenced yesterday, there is no offensive timeout to huddle the group and say, here's what we need to do. It's such a unique game and that it's about, it's about 26 players executing individually for a team outcome or result. And I don't know that a manager in baseball has the same ability to impact the outcome as it does really in any of the other major sports because there is no secret play. It's just about putting a bat on a ball. So when we get, you know, people who call in or, or email, text, whatever the you know way of getting in touch is and say they want to see more fire, they want to see more anger, they want to see more of that from the leaders on down – 
is that still a way to exist in modern baseball? Is that something you are looking for? Yeah, it's, I don't really know what that does. We've talked about that before. You know, I've I've been on teams where managers come in the room and, and yell frequently. There's We're in a generation of player, uh, to, at least through our experiences in, in baseball. We're in a generation of player who will just tune you out. It's a... You know, you have a couple of, of cracks at, at something like lighting up the clubhouse. And, you know, you, you have to choose your spots. You can't you can't manage like that every day over a 162-game baseball season. You can't react that emotionally. The best players you've ever seen, they manage it calmly. You know, we, we've, we've preached calm. You know, we preach calm in the way we try to execute in the bat. We preach focus and hard work, and and you have to model that behavior even when it's going bad. And right now it's going bad. You can't just you can't flip your script and and turn into someone you're not. Uh, Jerry Depoto here with us. Jerry, can I throw three and maybe they sound like excuses or explanations, but three things your way offensively, and and obviously your depth and intel is going to be far superior to to even any of the diehard fans listening with these three areas. Um, exit velo. Do you feel like guys at times are chasing that exit velo? I, I think exit velo is is closely linked to offensive success. I I don't know that you can hit without wanting to hit the ball hard. You know, there are not too many major league hitters, and I don't care what your era, even before you knew about exit velocity, as a as a trackable statistic, before satellites were were you know monitoring such things you went up to the batter's box and the goal was to hit the ball hard. And that's still the goal today. You talked about taking a breather or timeout. We talked about this earlier in the week and this pitch clock does not allow for timeouts. It does not allow to step out of the box at times other than your one timeout per at bat is uh, maybe some of the younger guys or maybe even the veterans dealing with for the first time. Is this pitch clock speeding the game up offensively? Uh, I think it's it's speeding the game up in general. You know, it's speeding the game up offensively. I don't know if that's a problem for us. Frankly, we've done you know, a better job than most. One of the more positive outcomes for us this season is how well we have managed the the, the pitch clock, the timer, and you know, that's a that's generally been to our advantage. We tend to disrupt the other team a lot more than it disrupts us. Right now, it's just plain and simple. The game is moving fast for a lot of players on our field. And it's not because of a clock. It's because of the, the, the pressures, the, the the stresses they're creating for themselves through performance. There's a, Again, there's really no way of insulating that. And then performance, hitting spin uh, from an average standpoint, a number standpoint has been, I know you talked about the power outage a couple of weeks ago, but just hitting the amount of spin that you guys are seeing seems to be a, a tremendous challenge. What is the ant, uh, antidote to that? Get better at it. Uh, you know, and, and if we don't get better at it, find players that can do it. It's it's that simple. Keep practicing it. It's hitting breaking balls. And, and again, this goes back to the time of, you know, Christy Mathewson. <laughs> hitting breaking balls is not easy. And, you know, there are numerous teams and, and players in our league can handle the ones that hang in the middle of the plate. Nobody hits the good ones very well. And right now we're not hitting either of them. And and I don't think it's it's limited to just spin. You know, we're we're so focused on the spin that we're allowing ourselves to slump versus fastballs very often. And, you know, that's not helpful either. So it's sometimes the best way out of the, the, the hole is to focus on the thing you do best. And, you know, what we have done best and when we have been good, we eliminate pitches. We eliminate pitches. We focus on the middle of the plate. We don't chase. 
These are all things that have been staples of our offense for a number of years. And right now we're doing all of those things. We are chasing. We are not focusing on the middle of the plate. We are struggling with the breaking ball that is there. To hit. And, you know, it's the only thing you can control, as I've said, week after week is the pitch you swing at. And I think Tuesday night's game is very indicative of what happens when you swing at the wrong pitches. Yeah, so actually I was just about to take you back to Tuesday night for a moment. Not that, you know, anybody wants to journey back there. But when you said that the execution in the 10th, you know, was as problematic as it was, I assume you were referring to the 10th and that opportunity that, that was presented there in that inning. What are you looking for? How how, do, how does, I don't I know you probably don't want to call out individual players, but how was the approach there different from what you want it to be? What what was specifically going wrong there? I won't even limit it to, to just the 10th inning, you know, bases loaded and nobody out. It's about contact. It's about finding a way to get something you can elevate, hit something into the outfield grass. It's a, it's a, it's situational baseball, but it runs so much deeper than that, you know, for our team and our struggles and, and especially of late. And we have the frustration that you see boiling up with our team. It, it comes from losing games in the way we're losing. them. You know, you can't as a bullpen and we have a very good bullpen. You can as a bullpen come in and walk five guys in five innings. That's just, you're giving the other team opportunity you're you're costing yourselves depth the next day which reared its head yesterday when we didn't have the bullpen to tap into you know it's little things that that stack up on one another and when you look up and and here in the third week of june we lead the league in one run losses we lead the league in extra inning games we 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 actually lead the league in hitting balls within five feet of the wall without being home run (laughs) it's a we find ways to create frustration and that really boiled to the top on Tuesday evening. You know, with that bases loaded situation, you flatten out, you get a little wider in the box, you find a way to put the bat on the ball and get something you can lift, not go up there and rush through at bat, swinging at the first thing you see. And it's, uh, it's, it's been problematic for us throughout the year. There's a reason why we've struggled the way we have with runners in scoring position, especially, you know, in this last series here with the Nationals. It's about the pitches we swing at. And until our players start swinging at better pitches, we're going to continue to struggle. Jerry, from a, from a team building standpoint and kind of going back to the, to the off season, how do you account in your job for regression? It's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. And, you know, it's a, it's, we sit here and we talk about draft picks right now where we're situating ourselves for the, the, the draft here at the all-star break none of them or few of them are going to turn out to be exactly what you think. It's the same way when you're building a team, you're, you're reliant on players, track records, you're reliant on, on what their, you know, what their skill sets suggest they will do based on, you know, age and, and I guess closest proximity, you know, more recent performance. So we're not counting on AJ Pollock to do the things he was doing in 2015, we're counting on AJ Pollock to do something similar to what he was doing a year ago, and or you know in September of a year ago. There's you, you try to, to thin it down or, or whittle it down to a skill set. What does this player do well? And then you build a puzzle, you know. And, and we're trying to build a puzzle that allows us to succeed up and down the lineup, versus right and verse lefts, defensively on the bases. And you know we are a team that is that is built on role players. We have you know, a great need for players to, to play the role that they play. And, and right now we have many who just haven't. And, you know, it's, uh, it's not 
single players. It is, as I've said, and I think I said it last week, it is a collective struggle. And, you know, the, the way we'll get out of it, I still believe that there's a lot of season left and our best chance for resolving our struggle is for good players to start doing the things that they've done and they've, and they've done for us in the past. Now, some of the players that we have, we're built on a roster that is largely 20 somethings and, you know, we shouldn't be struggling to, to, to survive the way we are with the talent that we have. And unfortunately that's the position we've put ourselves in. We knew this league would look and feel differently this season with the rule changes, with the pitch clock, with the, with the shift ban and, and the other movements Jerry, how do you account for the number of arm injuries in this league this season? Is is one that's got a son that loves to pitch, <laughs> who had little league shoulder this year to deal with uh, at thirteen, and to watch the just the amount of injuries uh, across the league, and certainly what has hit your ball club as well. How do you account for all of the arm injuries right now? Uh, you know, I wish I had a good answer for you. I'm not a doctor, but you know, I, I do know that when you throw as hard as these players throw today it's you know we're in we're in a new world we don't really know you know what it's like for a pitcher to go out you know inning after inning year after year with this kind of velocity i I don't really know another way to to, there's never been an era like this in baseball and you know i don't think it has anything to do with pitch timers i don't think it has anything to do with with training styles, I think the the evolution of the pitcher and how how hard a pitcher throws today, we just don't know, you know, how sustainable that is over time because we've never seen, we can't look back on long careers, uh, you know, with the exception of maybe Nolan Ryan and Randy Johnson <laughs> and, and say, what does it look like uh, when pitchers throw that hard for that long? And and that's the only thing I can look at. And, and truly we won't know for generations whether that was the effect or not and, and it's not even in the major league level i mean you're talking jerry about scouting i mean you're looking at these college kids right now high school kids right i mean <laughs> high school kids throwing 97 miles an hour let alone these college kids kid out of lsu that's throwing 102 on his 120th pitch how hard did you throw jerry when you played uh you know 93 95 okay. and and at the time that was a, a pretty good fastball <laughs> but the the you know the the way fastballs have evolved, you know, when I, when I broke into the big leagues, an average fastball was 90 miles an hour. And today an average fastball is 94 plus miles an hour. It's, it's a, it's comes and four miles an hour. And, and that uh, you go back to, to, to the 1990s, you go back to the 1960s, you go back to the 1950s. It's, it's going to be within about a mile an hour on average or something like that. And you know, here we've taken, a tremendous jump, and and it's it's made offense uh, a little harder to play. It's it's made pitching injuries, you know, at least a little bit more frequent. I don't want to say they're they're you know it's that it's wildly different than in years past. We just may know a little bit more mm-hmm. about the injury or how to treat it than than they may have known in, in generations past. One of the reasons I asked is I was curious. Let's say you threw ninety four on average. If somebody had said to you at the time, "Hey, Jerry, throw as hard you know max out." Show me one pitch that you throw as hard as you can. How hard do you think you could have thrown for one pitch? Uh, well, I know that 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 in my prime, I could hit a ninety-six or a ninety-seven on a given day. You know, I don't know if I could have sustained that. You know, I don't, and frankly, I don't know if I could have done that if pitching in a climate that was different than Colorado, where right. the air was a little bit lighter. <laughs> you know, it's, for all I know, it was actually a ninety-three. It, it, you know, it, but. It's, I don't know how hard it is to sustain that physically. 
except to watch how hard our pitchers work at, you know, at a different type of, of preparedness. You know, there's, we used to go long and strong, you know, as a, as an industry, you know, run, run long miles, poles, you know, sweat it out, beat out the lactic acid. That was your preparation. Now we train and, and strength bursts, sprints, you know, it's, it's more, we are built to go faster for a shorter period of time. And, and that's what, you know, that's what baseball is now at every level. You know, that's the way they're training in college. That's the way they train in high school. That's the way they train at independent facilities. And, uh, you know, I think the game has evolved. I don't think you're putting that genie back in the bottle because for most of the guys, it's fun to throw hard. (laughs) And, you know, for most of the hitters, I'm sure they wish that there were a lot more fastballs like mine instead of, you know, guys like George Kirk. Jerry, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the draft, and it's coming up rapidly here. You guys have three picks in the top thirty. I mean, what a what a fantastic situation to be in. What does this draft look like? What are you guys working on? Uh, this is the deepest draft that I've ever seen, and it's uh, I've, I've been doing this a fair bit of time now. And, and the the top of this class has four or five players that have a chance to be you know, iconic for for whoever gets a chance to, to put them in their uniform. Uh, you know, per Brock, you know, as long as they stay healthy, there there's top end in this draft there, there are stars throughout the first round, even, you know, you're going to get the opportunity in this draft to take everyday players beyond the first round, which is a very unusual thing in a baseball draft. And, you know, this, this is, there's depth, particularly among position players. This is a position player, rich draft that, and, and it's high school, it's college, uh, as good as I've ever seen. I, I, I couldn't be more excited about having the, the pick stacked up the way we do. I think we're, we're going to do some real damage on draft day and put talent into our system that, uh, that truly would take us multiple drafts to accrue uh, and, and to have that opportunity with what I think is already a good minor league system with high-end prospects. And, and to further fortify it, put guys in there to make impact is, is exciting for us. Uh, my last thing for you is to, to go back to the health and the arm. We got the update uh, from Justin earlier in the week that Marco is now dealing maybe with a little bit of nerve issue as well. Is there any kind of further update or timetable at all with Marco? None. You know, it's, uh, again, we're just going to take it day by day. Uh, right now, uh, it's despite our struggles, starting pitching remains one of our strengths. We're thrilled with the productivity that we've gotten out of, out of our, our starting rotation and, and particularly the way our young guys have performed, you know, when, when thrown into the fire with very limited experience, even in professional baseball, but uh, nothing on Marco, no real idea when he'll be back out there. And you no, know, my stock answer will be when he feels good enough to be back out there. Mm-hmm. Well, Jerry, we appreciate it. I'm sorry the Wednesday uh, streak continues, but uh, eventually four and nine. We're going to turn it around. Yes. Four and nine on Wednesdays. It's going to turn around. Exactly. It has to turn around. We appreciate you coming and uh, answering the questions, and uh, we will do it again. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate it. All right, guys. All right, there you go. There is uh, Mariners president of baseball operations, Jerry Depoto, uh, for his uh, weekly visit with us. Brock, quite a few things certainly uh, stand out for me. Uh, where would you like to start? Well, I think just tone and tenor, once again, is just accountability. I mean, there's just no ducking it, right? I mean, from the very jump there when he came on with us, and I know that's what some of you fans and certainly in the social media realms want, you know, to want to hear and want more of. Yeah. I don't know what more he can say. It's on me. It's on the team build. It's on the acquisition. It's on the execution. It's on all of it. And there's no pointing fingers, right? I mean, that's that old Geno Smith 
I'm a thumb guy. Yeah, I'm not a finger pointing I think there's, guy. There is one thing that just looking through the text line, even tweets, et cetera, that people latched onto and got very upset about. I understand why, and I also understand why Jerry said it, and that is, hey, what are you doing today? We're focused on the draft. Yeah. Totally understand the frustration. Yep. 100% understand why you hear that and say, are you kidding me? This team is not playing well, and you're focused on the draft? The flip side of that is he has to do that. That's his job. Yep. Jerry can't walk into the building and, and start, you know, instantly change what's happening with the offense. They may make a roster move or two. Brock, we wondered when, you know, AJ Pollock is going to be toast, even though it doesn't seem like they've got a natural successor for him. And Jerry's still working the phones and Mm -hmm. trades, et cetera. But I think what he's telling you is the guys on this team need to turn it around. In the meantime, he has to conduct the business of the nation, which is even though he's frustrated by what's happening at the big league level, A, he doesn't want to make decisions emotionally. Don't blame him. And B, you still have to get ready for the draft. Like that that's just part He's of the He's the president, job. right? He's the president? He's the president of baseball yeah. operations. You preside like a fan, you will be a fan. That's right. You come in and you rant and rave and you fire everybody. That today, you know, he they talk every day. And that's not right? to say there shouldn't be action, but I understand why Jerry said today we're in draft meetings because that's what you have to do that's to get ready for the is. draft. Yeah, and when you have three <laughs> first round picks in the deepest best right. draft that he can ever remember, you got some work to do to make sure you get that right. You can control that. Now, you can't control how they're hitting spin. You can't control how they're right. approaching that at bat. I loved, I'll tell you what else and I know we we got to run so well, I'll you know, tell you hold, on the other side. On, yeah, hang on here because there's a couple other things Jerry said that I want to come back to that were a little bit different in terms of tone and tenor than I can recall him hearing or recall hearing from him in the past. So we'll dig back into it our reaction to jerry next brock and salk sales sports on 710 salesports.com